Perhaps I've grown a little cynical But I know no matter what the waitress brings I should drink in and always be for Yeah, I will drink it and always be for I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And another unexpected game for the Green Bay Packers, this time on the good end, as we saw the return of the team we expected to see as they throttle the Bears 38-17. to There's a lot of things to talk about in this game and many different angles in which to analyze this. Matt, as I've been prone to do sometimes when there are many storylines, I'm just going to turn it over to you to start here. And before I share kind of the ideas that I had on this, what were your initial thoughts uh, overall of yesterday? Well, I guess my initial and my overall thoughts might be a little bit different. I thought, you know, obviously after watching the game, it's a lot of instant gratification. I mean, this is exactly the reason why we get so frustrated when they put up seven points last week is because you know they can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's against a defense who is probably, you know, not as good as Detroit's. The front seven's not as good, but the secondary is, is of Detroit was pretty bad. You know, it's not like, anyways, they're not, you know, a top ten defense. Yeah. The Bears aren't either. It's like, how can you do this against the Bears? And just all of a sudden it seemed to turn a switch and, and you got it back. Um, so I guess it was awesome, a little frustrating too. Um, but I guess in terms of, you know, not overreacting when they only put up seven points last week, as Rogers said to relax, I'm not gonna get too overboard this week and say, hey, they're back, they got it now, just because they did this yesterday. So I think it's a great win, one that I didn't really expect. And, um, it was good to see Rogers on his game and Cobb contribute a little bit more, but I, I guess I'm not ready to put him back in, into my Super Bowl pick yet, but I was pretty happy with what I saw. Yeah, I like the phrase you used of instant gratification because this was such a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see a guy play as well as Aaron Rodgers did yesterday. Yeah, it was incredible. You are going to see maybe a dozen performances as good as that if you watch football for the rest of your life. It was unbelievable. It looked like no matter what the Bears did, they couldn't stop him. And it's interesting because this instantly reminded me of that Texans game in 2012 where we're starting to doubt this team and we say, hey, they lost a step, and then Aaron Rodgers just apparently on purpose. Like, I don't understand why he can't stay that motivated all the time, but up and decides, no, actually, uh, I'm pretty much this awesome anytime I want to be, and just comes out and just destroys the Bears. So I want to be really positive, but I think what I'm going to say is that This was the return of the Green Bay Packers yesterday. And what I mean by that is we finally saw once again what the Packers always have been. They're a team with a phenomenal, world-class, all-time great quarterback with some really nice offensive pieces and a defense that I have absolutely zero confidence in taking us anywhere important this season. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but to me... Once I got home and kind of came down from the high of whooping up on the Bears, and I looked at the stat sheet, 33 first downs, 496 yards, an advantage of nearly 200 yards in rushing, and that's the Bears on the Packers. 11 more, for, or, sorry, 12 more first downs, 150 more total yards. Oh, man, how the heck did that game end up 38-17 to Packers if you take away Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I mean, I know that's important, but it's like, wow, have you, that's a one-man show. And, yes, I think we needed to relax after last week, but I still don't have any confidence in this defense. I feel as little about this defense as I ever have after yesterday. Yeah, and I think... A lot of that has to do with, like you said, Rodgers. That's the reason why the game got so much in the one direction. But then on the other side, you have Cutler, too, kind of doing the opposite, as he mm-hmm. always seems to against the Packers. Mm-hmm. But it's that type of Packers defense that they had 
um, you know, in years past from, you know, like 2009 to 2011, whereas they might not be great, but they did make a lot of timely turnovers. They bent a lot, but they only gave up 17 points. Yeah. So, and I know not uh, every quarterback is going to be as careless as Cutler, so you can't count on that every week. But it was nice to see some turnovers and to see them make some big plays, although they didn't look good. They were getting marched on. But for them to make those big plays, I mean, that's the reason the score ended up as different or, you know, as big of a gap as it ended up being of 21 points. Yeah, and the bend what don't break. I heard Micah Hyde say that in the post game as well. When they coined that phrase, they were envisioning like a bridge when a really heavy vehicle comes on, and so it bends a little bit, but it doesn't break. The Packers' defense is more like one of those bars in the strongman competitions that they put on their heads and turn into like almost a knot. I mean, I don't think bend but don't break can apply to 496 yards. And it's more. Go ahead. It's more like a bridge that collapsed, but then it still somehow miraculously <laughs> remained level, so you could still kind of drive over it. Yeah, so your car goes all the way down, and then it falls into this little crack right before it hits the water, and that you don't actually plunge into the water. You're still on the bridge, but you, you need some assistance getting off of it, I think. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the super negative person, but it's awesome that Rodgers is back, but who cares, I guess, and, and I'm glad you brought it up with the 09 to 2011, because that's one of the main points I wanted to make, because I heard constantly on sports radio about this team, and how if Rodgers plays that way, this defense doesn't have to be great. You don't need to have a great defense to win the Super Bowl, and maybe you don't need a great defense, but your defense has to play great. And I crunched the numbers yesterday because it's the biggest misconception in Packers fandom media coverage, and it drives me nuts that people just say, oh, well, when the Packers won in 2010, they had a great quarterback, and you know their defense just did just enough, which is completely not true at all. They won yeah. a game 21-16 to in Philadelphia. They beat the Bears 21-14 to in Rodgers' worst statistical game of his career from a quarterback rating standpoint. And I did the numbers. Every Super Bowl champion since 1990 has had at least one game where they held their opponent to less than 20 points. No team has ever won the Super Bowl in this in the last 25 years. No team has won the Super Bowl allowing 20 plus points in every game. And the average mar- or the average points allowed in the playoffs is 16 points. Do you have any confidence that the Packers could recreate that in any way if it's the same defense we've had since 2011? No, not at all. And that defense was top five scoring defense in ten, wasn't it? Uh, number two, and I think two, top ten in thinking. yards. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was that was a pretty good defense for sure. But and and no, this defense doesn't have that. Um, I don't see any way. I think they could probably be a little better than they've shown so far. I think they've got a couple of nice pieces that they could maybe come together a little bit. But it's so weak up the middle, like we had talked about. Mm-hmm. For for them to be that weak at D tackle and both inside linebacker positions. I don't see any way, and even at safety, I'm I'm lacking confidence there now too. Burnett was see, horrible yesterday. Yeah, I don't know how you can have a, a defense like 2010 with with that current assemblance of players. Yeah, and and I'm not throwing in the towel on this season. I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. I think they'll probably win the division because Aaron is that much of a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But when you have 16 games, you don't have to be perfect. You only have to win 11 of them, and then you're a really, really top-seeded team. Once you get to the playoffs, like we've said, ad nauseum for the entire existence of Green and Gold Forever, you can't expect Aaron Rodgers to be perfect. That's the game plan they've had the last three years, and they've won one playoff game, and they played Joe Webb in that game. Yeah. So I don't mean to rain on everybody's parade, but I guess I already have. I think that this defense cannot look at yesterday as a success if they're going to go places. That's, I guess, the, the end point. Because they got 12 games. They can get better. they got to get better on the run defense or they're going to get pounded. They they did some nice things forcing turnovers, but they got to find a way to make that difference when they're trailing, not when they're up by 21. Every yeah. team in the league can force turnovers when you're up by 21 points or when you're up by 14 points. So I think that it's kind of what we talked about after the Baltimore game last year where this team – maybe as a asset to it, but also as a detriment, seems very quick to be able to pat itself on the back after games like these. Yeah, for sure. Aaron Rodgers should. Jordy Nelson should. Randall Cobb should. Everybody else should just be glad that those three guys are on their team. Yep. So 
Let's talk a little bit about Randall Cobb, who I had a tweet in the middle of the game which made me look like an idiot after the second half. That's after he dropped a ball in the end zone, I said, gosh, he really doesn't want that contract, does he? And then he makes some unbelievable cuts and does what he does best. He jukes a guy out of his shoes on that last uh, play that set up the Mason Crosby block field goal. He had an unbelievable move at the line of scrimmage. At first, it looked like a total blown coverage where Rodgers just threw an effortless uh, corner post to uh, uh, to Randall Cobb for his fourth touchdown pass. But when you watched it back, it was an unbelievable Jerry Riceian juke at the goal line that was able to get him that effortlessly wide open. So I thought after we've questioned how good this guy is, uh, he was one who really reminded everybody how good he can be yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that might have been my biggest, uh, other than Rodgers, my biggest sing- single-player takeaway was of how he played. But at the same time, um, not to be too reserved here with this, but I think that he was going against a pretty weak secondary that was so depleted. Mm-hmm. And really, their only good corner, Kyle Fuller, who's been playing really good this Jordy year. Jordy whooped torched. him. Yeah. yeah, he got torched by Jordy. But, I mean, Cobb was going against, you know, fourth and fifth corners for the most part. Yeah. So I guess it's it's great that he did that, and it was awesome. And maybe even just for his confidence to have a game like that, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a great game. He made a lot of good catches. I don't care who's covering you. Some of those catches were really really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, great game. But I'm not ready to say you know he's elite again or anything like that. Yeah, and the good thing though is he was going against third and fourth corners against Detroit too and couldn't do anything so I guess he kind of looked himself in the mirror and and made some nice things happen he's now tied for the league lead in touchdown catches which is interesting yeah that brought to mind something that has nothing to do with anything but how weird is it that James Jones led the NFL in touchdowns in 2012 yeah super weird that just kind of popped into my head (laughs) yesterday I'm like weird that it's weird that that ever happened at all But I guess I I don't have I mean we're only 12 minutes into this we've said a lot um is there anything else you can take away? I know you texted me that Clay Matthews is 65 years old after he yes. ran out of bounds on that. You got any more uh, elaboration on that? And Shields did it too after that. I was just shocked. He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL and just went out of bounds. But I mean, the Clay one, obviously, he's probably a little bit hurt. But uh, that just frustrates me so much. Maybe the Shields one more than the than the Clay one. He just yeah. How, how do you run out of gas when you're that guy? <laughs> um, probably should have scored. But yeah, I guess. Great plays by both guys. I don't want to harp on it too much, but it was kind of embarrassing. Well, Shields was the... I was watching in widescreen, in HD, and it's hard to throw an interception with none of your teammates on the screen in 16-9 ratio, and somehow Jay Cutler managed to do that. So I think Shields gets the credit for catching it, but... That was a Jay Cutler special, so I don't know how much credit I can give to him. It kind of reminded me of one of those like uh, Brett Favre picks towards the end of his career where I felt like he just hated his receivers so much that he would just throw a really awful pick and throw his hands up and yell at somebody just to prove Come on, Andre Thurman! Yeah, Yeah, so I can see that. Um, Why does Dom own Cutler, but he can't stop anybody else? I don't understand that at all. Yeah, and I have no good answer for that either, but it's it seems like every time they play. I mean, he doesn't play that bad against anybody else, and we're probably the worst defense he sees, you know, year in and year out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just mind-boggling that he's able to confuse him so much and just make these huge mistakes and just throw away games. I don't get it. My only guess is the same thing I said in one of our what-ifs that was talking about the 2010 season, is it seems like Dom's defense creates enough chaos and puts enough people in odd places where they feast off of quarterbacks who aren't that accurate. And that's why they, I'll say this forever, not to take away from the Super Bowl year, but they were incredibly lucky that they got to play a bunch of these lobbing, chance-taking quarterbacks in the playoffs and somehow got all the way to the Super Bowl and winning it without having to play Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Sure. They got to play lobbers like Ben Roethlisberger and Jay yeah. Cutler, Vic, yeah, and, and even Matt Ryan has a tendency to do that sometimes where he'll just throw to covered guys. And so... Maybe that's it, but it's just so strange that he can't bottle that up and it just looks like a horrible defense against everybody else. And then they go out there against Jay Cutler and and they just look like this dynamic turnover machine. Right. But I don't have many answers for that either. Um, 
Yeah, Morgan Burnett wasn't very good. I thought oh. the officiating was atrocious again. Oh yesterday. yeah, I totally forgot. That was pro- and I know that you usually kind of harp on the officiating more than I do, but I have to say that was probably some of the worst officiating I've seen. And it was both ways. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I mean, they had some awful calls in favor of the Packers too. I don't get yeah. what was going on. That first call on that phantom hands to the face was it on Peppers? I think. Yeah, and it was on the guy that was blocking Peppers, right? Yeah, just. <laughs> I don't know. That was really bizarre. I'm glad we won that game because I probably would have been really angry. Yeah, and that touchdown people were talking about, or that Bears play that was almost a touchdown, They, when we were watching it, the, the people I was watching it with said that he bobbled it. And once they showed the replay, he did. So yep. that one was fair, even though... That was we, a good call. Yeah, that one was actually a good call, even though people were kind of harping on that. We made the joke that Dom's defense on the goal line now is to just put Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward... <laughs> Blocking the goal line fans, <laughs> so at least you have a chance. <laughs> Which uh, great play by uh, Haha to not get him out of his grasp because he scores if he doesn't tackle him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what a huge turning point in the game there too. I mean, that was it was almost shocking after it happened <laughs> that yeah. you know it's it's just over. You get nothing for that. So, <laughs> I, but I'm you're right. It was the right call. You can't overturn it when you can't see the football. And when they show the other angle, you can't see if it's over the line and he bobbles it. And it looks almost like it's short. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's one of the many that you can harp on. No, I, I would agree with that. So as silly as it sounds, after such an impressive win, I don't know if we need to go too much into Aaron Rodgers. He was phenomenal yesterday. I guess I I don't even feel like you need to apologize to him because he's done this in the past. As good as he was yesterday does not negate how bad he was against the Lions or against the Seahawks. It almost makes me wonder if he has a motivation problem. Like, does he just start feeling like, hey, I'm a really good player and nobody can take it away from me. I got nothing to prove, so I'm just going to go out there and sleepwalk through Seattle and I'm going to... Uh, go to Detroit and not put forth a very good effort, and then as soon as people start saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is not an elite quarterback, Olivia Munn has ruined our quarterback, then he has to go out there and just destroy everybody. It feels like every week somebody, like Mike McCarthy should come out every week and be like, well, you know, I could still see why uh, we picked Alex Smith over him. Like, <laughs> just every single week, because it seems like it's so similar to that Texan game when the exact same kind of criticisms were coming Aaron's way, and then he just obliterates everybody. Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm not an elite-level pro athlete with elite-level skills, obviously, but it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that you could sw- turn a switch that high and that low. Um, I know things have to go right, and you have to be playing against the certain teams, but... I don't know, maybe I don't pay enough attention to everybody else, but it just is weird. Uh, You never see Brady just be as... Rodgers yesterday is better than Brady or Manning or Breeze have ever been at any single day in their career. I mean, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Rodgers at his peak is way higher than anybody in the history of the league at their peak. But why does it seem to take these kind of criticisms to be able for him to turn that on? Yeah, and I would never accuse him of, of something like that, and it's impossible to prove, but it's, you're right, the word that you said was weird. It is just so weird mm-hmm. that it just seems to come and go like that. I mean, that throw to Devontae Adams might have been the best oh, throw I've my ever gosh. seen. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, it didn't count, but we all still saw it, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard not to think that. I don't want to say it. I mean, if we were in the, if we were in the public media and we'd said something like that, we'd probably just get absolutely destroyed if we were yeah. on ESPN or something. But, I mean, you can't really accuse a guy of that, but it sure seems like there, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It, it definitely kind of feels that way sometimes, and it's probably not the case. I, I have a hard time believing that he's not motivated to go into opening day against Seattle. Yeah. On a Thursday night and not play well or not play well against San Francisco when, you know, apparently that's the biggest chip he has on his shoulder. Yeah. That's so, I don't know. It, it sure seems that way. He's Once he said relax this week, I just kind of had the feeling that this is what we were going to see and it's exactly what happened. So it's just strange that he can decide to just turn it on. Well, we should uh, not relax then, and maybe he'll just keep turning yes. it on. I don't... Yeah, and I'm not trying to accuse him of that either. He's, his work ethic is phenomenal, and maybe it's just impossible to get yourself into that mind frame too often. I mean, it's it's like anything else. I mean, there's just some days where maybe he just doesn't feel good physically, you know, and you just can't do it, and yesterday it just kind of came together, and 
I think the Bears' defense has something to do with it, but Houston had the number one defense in the NFL when he tore them apart yeah. uh, down in 2012. So I'm not meaning to say this is a conscious thing for him, I guess. It's just, I guess, it's weird <laughs> to, to see this kind of happen. Mm-hmm. All right, well, up next is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they're going to play... Oh, one last thing I wanted to say is I want to give the Bears credit for that Alshon Jeffrey touchdown, and there was some debate when we were watching it. Uh, Caleb thought it was kind of a bad play on Sam Shields' part, and I was more advocating that I thought the Bears had a very clever play call on that. What is your comment on that? The Jeffrey um, touchdown with the where he was in motion in the backfield and kind of lost the man-to-man and then snuck to the other side where all the... Away from the rest of the routes. Yeah, I, I mean, you'd like to see it get covered, but it probably was a pretty good play by the Bears, it, as well as those other two plays that they called with the, the intentional fumbles as well. Those were pretty nice too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Those were their best run plays of the day. Yeah. That just shows how bad the run defense is. When uh, I don't understand some things about the defense, but <laughs> that Cutler one was just ridiculous. Well, and Clay Matthews played contain. I'm like, yeah. if you charge up the middle, you obliterate this guy. And he's like, no, better cover the. F- you know, I better cover the edges and, and contain Cutler because, you know, he's a danger to escape outside and like he's Michael Vick in 2002. I'm like, just go obliterate the guy. Yeah, that and was really weird. Peppers did the same thing on the second fumble ruski or whatever the heck they were running there. And I don't understand why they don't just throw in the red zone four times fades to either Marshall or Jeffrey. You're either going to get a, if you do it four times, heck, I'd go for it on every single fourth down. You're either going to get a penalty or one of those guys is going to catch it. I mean, well, I don't no know. No kidding. Why I mean, that. Shields and Tremont are both under six feet, aren't they? Tremont might be close. I think Tremont, yeah, Tremont's close, but Shields is definitely not. Yeah, so I mean, you got a five, six inch advantage. Throw Martellus Bennett in there too while you're at it. There's no way you can stop that three times in a row. Yeah, I would go four times. Forget it. I, I would think that you would. With how often they were moving the ball down the field, you'd make up for any missed field goal opportunities with extra touchdowns. I'm sure of it. Just go for it every time. And that goes for the middle of the field because the Packers' defense can't seem to yes. stop fourth downs either. <laughs> All right, so now they're playing the Minnesota Vikings. Did you get any chance to watch the Teddy Bridgewater game yesterday that everybody's all uh, up in arms about? I did, only by Red Zone Channel. I I didn't watch it. I I was watching that most of the day because I didn't think that game would be interesting, but then I ended up watching a lot of it towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty impressive, and I, I kind of wonder how he'll be with the bum foot because his mobility was a bigger part of his game than I thought it was. It seemed when he was coming out, everybody said he was an average runner, but he seemed to make a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if he had a touchdown pass yesterday, did he? I, I'll no, he had a at, touchdown run of like uh, one run, but he threw for like three, yeah, 317 yards mm-hmm. and just overall looked pretty good and just was making plays. Kind of um, looked a lot like a Russell Wilson type guy, so I was pretty impressed. It's it's one game against the bad defense, but uh, it's probably better than anything else they've had for the last couple of years. Yeah, I thought he was pretty impressive. I'm not that worried. A lot of people seem to be worried about him no, after I'm that. Either. I mean, we've seen every young quarterback be good when they start. Leinart was good. Remember when he whooped the Bears in that Devin Hester game, the we-are-who-we-thought-they-were game? And then Vince Young was great coming out, and everybody's great coming out. And then you get some film on him, and then the real elite players just keep getting better, and then the not-so-elite kind of fall back to the pack a little bit. People are saying now that um, I saw on the news here, the local news, that Teddy Bridgewater was listed as hopeful. To play, which I didn't <laughs> never seen as as a term. Uh, he, yeah, strictly Minnesota status. <laughs> yeah, hopeful. Ah, shocks. Is their <laughs> term of? Oh man, is their term of uh of doubtful? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's super. That's uh. But anyways, uh, people are saying maybe he's not uh, gonna play and whatnot. I'm like, we may as well play him now. You got him at home. He's a little bit banged up. You're going to have to play him sooner or later. It was like when people were happy that Stafford couldn't play against the Lions like the first four times we matched up. I'm like, well, eventually you're going to have to play this guy. You may as well do it now on a short week when he's a little injured, when you're at home. I'd rather that than somehow Adrian Peterson gets back on the field in Minnesota with Bridgewater with five starts under his belt and then have to play him for the first time against Don's crappy defense. Mm -hmm. So we'll see um, how that works. I was also thinking, I have a bunch of random topics we can talk about today just because I thought it would be fun and they'll come up as we're going about here, but 
Bridgewater never really scared me when he got drafted because I wasn't all that impressed with him at Louisville. That was my reasoning. Um, they had a big win against Florida, but I think time has shown that Mitch Muschamp's Gators were quite a bit of a paper tiger. Uh, they just aren't very good. But then I started thinking about different guys, and they always bring up that term. This is kind of a sidetrack, so Teddy Bridgewater got me to think of that, but People are always talking about guys in college who are winners and guys who are great raw talents and all that stuff. And I looked up, I couldn't remember any Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that had won national titles. You know how they talk about that winning, that winner? <laughs> such and yeah. such is a winner. Ken Dorsey, who I always said that. Ken Dorsey's a winner. you got to give Ken Dorsey a chance. Only three quarterbacks have ever won national championships and Super Bowls, and one of them was Troy Aikman, who was injured after week four, and they completely changed the offense to something different uh, when he was at Oklahoma, and then they ran a like an option offense, and they won. Can you guess the two quarterbacks, Troy Aikman doesn't count, that won Super Bowls and national titles as starting quarterbacks? Oh, man. This, is, uh, this didn't give me a lot of time to think here. I'm going to say, man... I wish I had like five minutes to think about it because I think I could maybe maybe have a chance at it. But um, I can give you a real softball hint right now. Uh, is Elway one? Elway is not one. Yeah, he went to win a championship at Stanford. Come no, on, they, yeah, they give me suck. some hints here. They both have the same first name. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. You got to give me some more than that. Okay. Um, one was in the South and one was in the Midwest. <laughs> For college or for pros? College. Okay. The the in the pros they were in the East Coast and West Coast. Okay. Um so it's gotta be uh Joe Montana and Joe Namath. You are correct. Nice. Um I would have also taken Jeff Rutledge, Bernie Kozar, Matt Flynn, and Matt Cavanaugh as <laughs> backup quarterbacks that were able to win Super Bowls nice. and national championships. Which is strange. And so I wanted to figure out, just for a stupid draft comparison, that the winner thing, the guy's a winner, doesn't seem to be true because none of the guys who won national championships ever seem to translate into good NFL players. So I'm like, well, maybe the Heisman. The Heisman's even worse. Jim Plunkett, Roger Staubach, the only ones to ever win Heismans and Super Bowls. But the first overall pick, much better luck. Terry Bradshaw, Jim Plunkett, John Elway, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, all first overall picks that won Super Bowls. So... There's some little college football quarterback trivia for you that nobody asked for. Yeah, that's interesting because I think that's one thing in my time of watching the NFL draft and kind of doing some self-evaluation of prospects that I've really changed in because I kind of used to be the, yeah, Ken Dorsey's going to be awesome. I think Matt Leinart's going to be awesome. Vince Young is going to be great. Winners. Yeah, because you saw him do it and you're like, this guy was so good. How can he not do it at the next level? He just has that poise. He has something that causes him to win. Mm-hmm. And they almost never work out. And it's just the guys that they say, I mean, Peyton Manning might be, you know, one example where that's not true because they were very good when he was there. But, I mean, Tom Brady wasn't that good at Michigan. Aaron Rodgers was good at Cal, but you would have never really heard of him that much yeah. until the draft process started. These guys were, and Drew Brees, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were all good players, but it's, it is. I mean, they're, they're the workout guys, kind of. You put them on a field and watch them throw. They're the guys that get drafted high. And they somehow, something that happens in college doesn't translate exactly to the pros and vice versa, it seems like. Yeah, and it's always this, the example that kind of showcases that weirdness of the translation of the college game to the pro game is that Peyton Manning was at Tennessee for four years, and the year he leaves, T. Martin wins a national championship. Yeah. And you can go across the board with some of those other weird things. Jim Kelly was at Miami, and they stunk. And then they win national titles with Bernie Kosar, Steve Walsh, um, Craig Erickson, and Gina Toretta. Yeah. And it's like, what the heck is going on here? And then Ken Dorsey, you can add that, uh, you know, 15 years later. Yeah. So I was trying to think to myself, the guys who won national titles, and I could do the recent ones, but like, Oklahoma in 2000 had one of the best teams ever, and I couldn't tell you who their quarterback was if you gave me five guesses. Josh Heupel or whatever? It wasn't him? Heupel. Was that, I think that was him. Yeah. Oh, you win. Uh, and then I think Chris Winkie had one the year before that, and then yep. T. Martin, Danny Werfel had one in there. I have no idea who Nebraska's quarterback was in 97, but Brady's at Michigan. They don't win anything. They win the national title with Brian Greasy. At least Chris the- Leak. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow kind of, I think Leak was like a three to one, 
uh, quarterback that first year when they won yep. with Tebow. But yeah, um, and then and then Flynn wins one with with two losses. So it's just kind of a. Uh, and who uh, who else do we have there? Uh, Greg uh, McElroy, <laughs> and then we yep. have uh, AJ McCarron. So I think there's a lot of that going around. But yeah, so if you ever hear anybody next year proclaim such and such to be a winner. Uh, don't believe the hype because the NFL has shown to be much more successful at evaluating quarterbacks than with the first overall pick in the draft than the national championship game has been. Yep. So there's a fun side topic for us. Okay, I have another fun side topic, but we'll do that as we get into the picks. Uh, Eric Hansen gave us some good what-if topics on the Facebook page, but I'm actually going to save those for a later date. Matt and I have talked, and we have a plan for the bye week. That's about a month away, but you can start letting the wheels spin in your head. We're going to do a what-if special during the bye week, but we've done a ton of Packers what-ifs. And while we like doing Packers what-ifs, we have thoroughly examined almost all of the interesting parts of Packers football recently. And that doesn't mean we're not going to do more Packer what-ifs, but... Um, they're going to be uh, maybe not as elaborate as the other ones that we've done, but we really want to do a NFL edition of What If. So start thinking about different topics you can send us. You can do it on the Facebook page. You can email them to us at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. But I will ask for a caveat, and I'll repeat this as we get closer, but Matt and I are both 27 years old. or Matt's almost 27. I'm 27. And so you got to give us a little bit of a break. So as much as we'd like to talk about some stuff, you know, we're not going to say what if uh, the 40 Bears hadn't around the <laughs> T formation against the, the Redskins or whatever. So what do you think, Matt, if 1985 is kind of the cut, maybe the 83 draft with uh, Elway and Marino, do we want to make that the unofficial cutoff? Sure. I mean, and that stuff, I mean, for players that we've seen, it's easier for us to talk about most of the stuff in the 80s. Obviously, you and I have been watching pretty much every game since probably like 93, so mm-hmm. anything around that time period or beyond, it should be pretty easy for us. And that definitely gives us a ton of things to talk about. So yep. uh, we would love for you guys to submit things. I have a little scratch list of ones we can include, but we definitely want to hear what you guys uh, have in mind because I'm sure there are a ton in there that we would not think of. All right, so let's get to our weekly pick segment where each week I think we get worse and worse in our ability to pick what's going to happen uh, in the National Football League. Right now, depending on what happens tonight, Matt and I both have the same New England pick tonight. So if New England were able to win, I would go 7-6 and six this week, and, and Matt would sneak away with a 4-9 and nine record this week, uh, a rough one. Uh, so that makes up for my 6-10 and 10 week two that I had, I guess, because we, we've had some uh, really tough times here. But Matt still leads the overall series. If New England wins, you'll lead 34 wins to 32, and if New England loses, you'll, you'll be up 33 wins to 31. So at least we're still close, and nobody's quite pulled away yet. But let's start, I guess we can't start with the Thursday night game, because the Packers will be playing on Thursday night. Let's go with Bills at Lions on uh, Sunday. Who do you got in that one? Bills-Lions, I think I'm going to have to go Detroit here. It looks like E.J. Manuel is going to be benched for that game, which is kind of strange after only a few weeks, and they're doing pretty well. Um, So I guess I've got to go Detroit there, in Detroit. Yeah, I'm definitely taking Detroit as well, and I guess I should have thought about this more because my odd stat and odd conversation that I wanted to have Deals with the Buffalo Bills, because they announced this afternoon that Kyle Orton will get the start. And I thought, holy cow, is this guy a curse to the starting quarterback on his team. He always seems to find a way to get in games, no matter who he plays for, no matter who's sitting in front of him. So this is going to be the fifth team that Kyle Orton has started for in his career. Uh, that would be Chicago, Denver, Kansas City, Dallas, and now Buffalo. And I think that's it, right? That I can think of. I'm sure he's probably been backups elsewhere, but I, I have no idea. Yeah, and I don't care about the backups. I'm just yeah. trying to think of the starting. And so I thought to myself real quick, and I was talking to our sister Bethany because she was the one who broke the news to me because she loves kickers and backup quarterbacks more than any football fan in the history of the world. So she had brought this to my attention, and I started thinking, is that a record for the most starts <laughs> for one guy for a single team? 
or I mean, uh, one guy for multiple teams. And so I could have looked this up, I'm sure, but I wanted to try to throw out there and see if we could figure out some other guys that might be able to beat this record. And so I had a short list of guys. Um, I have Jim McMahon on there. I know he started five different teams. And then I started throwing some other guys out there like uh, Jeff Garcia, Trent Dilfer, Warren Moon. I don't know. Do you have any other guys that you think could could beat this five starts uh, for five different teams? <laughs> um, I, both of the McCowans probably have three or four oh, each, I, never I would even say. thought of them, yeah. Um, I would say Josh McCowan's probably got four or five. So Josh would have had... Uh, Arizona, uh, Arizona, Chicago, Tampa Bay. Um, where was he all the time in between? I feel like he Oakland, probably was. Yeah, he was at Detroit. I think he got a couple starts in Detroit, so he's already up to five. Arizona, Chicago, Tampa Bay, Oakland, Detroit. Um, was he somewhere else in there? It feels like he would just show sure up. Sure, he was, everywhere. but so he's at least got five. The other one I just thought of is Gus Verrat. Um, I wonder. He played in Washington. He played in Detroit, which is the forgotten thing. He was their quarterback in 99 when they had a crappy playoff run. Um, Miami, he played in Minnesota that one year. I thought there were some others with Farratt. Um, Jeff George has probably got three or four. I never thought of Jeff George, yeah. Well, Jeff George would have been Indy, Atlanta. Then he got traded to Oakland. Minnesota... Then he went to Washington, so he's got five there at least. Yep. Oh, what about, um, gosh, what is the other one for Gus? I, I feel like I had another one for him. Oh, Gus Verrott started, that's right, he started in Denver in their playoff game against the Ravens. That was the one I couldn't remember. He, he, uh, cause Brian Greasy, I don't know if you remember that, but Brian Greasy got hurt in the last game ever at Mile High, and they had to play, uh, Gus Farratt against the Ravens, and then they got eaten alive. Oh, I don't remember that, but I want to see it now. <laughs> well, I'm sure I have that game somewhere in the closet. Or um, Vinny, what about Vinny Testaverde? Yeah, well, Jets, Ravens, Buccaneers, Browns. Mm-hmm. Would you count the Browns and Ravens as two separate? The NFL counts them as two different yeah. teams. Yeah, um, who else am I missing there? Jets, Ravens, Browns, um... Bucks, I said as well. He started for oh, the Oh, Tampa Bay. Yep. Uh, Carolina. Remember, he he played against the Packers that one year. Oh, yeah. As like yep. 150 years old. Um, who was the other one that I had? I know Jeff Garcia. I already went through him. He has five as well. So does Trent Dilfer. Those were other guys that were on the list. Um, what about Kerry Collins? Mm. So yeah, he's, he's probably... Carolina... Indianapolis, Tennessee. Indianapolis, Tennessee. Uh, New York Giants. Um, Oakland. Forgot about Oakland. And who did he, who was he with right after Carolina? He got. Oh, I think he was in New Orleans when he was had his like drunk yeah. problems. But did he ever start a game? I guess I don't. I don't, know I don't think he did. Okay. He he probably did start with one injury. He might be the the guy to beat. I feel like Gus Farratt has to have one more. I don't want to look it up. Yet, because I, I just feel like it was uh, too much. Oh, uh, what about Chris Chandler? Chris Chandler's got to have like a hundred. Maybe he'll be the last one we can talk about. I guess I only know Bears Falcons for him. Oilers. He played with the Oilers in, because uh, I remember I wanted in 1996, I wanted a card of every single starting quarterback. And for some reason, Ch- uh, Chris Chandler with the Oilers was took forever for me to find. I can imagine. So, so yeah, because I guess he was like 40 by the time he was playing for the Falcons at the end, wasn't he? So he had probably played a lot before that. He was. So I think he played, he started in Tampa, I want to say. I know he played for the Colts. He he had one weird start for the Rams in like 04, but I think he might have played for the Rams in the mid-90s too. So he got Atlanta, Indy, Houston, Rams, I'm not sure about Tampa. Who? Maybe that's it. I don't know. I know the record for teams is like J.T. O'Sullivan. He's played for like 11 teams, but I think yeah. he only started like three games. So I'll have to look that up. If somebody knows on the Facebook page, because I know there's people who love this kind of stuff, you got to look it up and uh, try to see. And Gus Farratt, too. Um, I think, I feel like, am I imagining that Gus Farratt played for the Bengals at one time? He was. I think I remember him being on 
their team on like one of the blitz games or something. I swear, I was. I think you're right. I think he was a Bengal. So then that would put him up to six. That would be Cincinnati, Washington, Detroit, Miami, Minnesota, Denver, and he was around for like 50 years. So yeah. So I guess Kyle Orton's got a chance. I mean, he's got some some titans of quarterback wandering that he's got to go up against, but. Gosh, if you look at guys like Chris Chandler and, heck, Gus Farad started against the Packers in, what, 2008? <laughs> so he's got, like, what, another eight years of uh, playing. Yeah. For, here he comes, Jacksonville, um, Tennessee, look out. Here come Arizona. He's got to play for Arizona, right? Yep. So Kyle Orton's coming your way. Well, anyways, uh, either way, Kyle Orton's going to lose to the Lions, so I'm picking Detroit. <laughs> this is the longest pick in the history of our pick segment. <laughs> well, that's all right. got to have some of those sometimes. <laughs> Okay, uh, Ravens at Colts. Who do you got there? The Ravens have looked pretty good lately, but I think I uh, I have to pick Andy here. I think Andrew Luck's on a roll. I don't think the Ravens defense can stop him. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. Um, I've proclaimed Andrew Luck my favorite non-packer, despite how doofy his voice is. He's a very yeah. exciting player to watch. Mm-hmm. Browns at Titans. I will pick this one. Oh, boy. Um, Charlie Whitehurst. Got a chance to play yesterday and wasn't all that great. Um, I'll pick Cleveland in this. No, no, I won't. I'll pick Tennessee because Cleveland on the road after a bye just seems like they're going to lose. Yeah, Cleveland's been fairly impressive this year. I, I think I, I don't know if Locker's starting. I might pick Tennessee if Locker was starting because it's in Tennessee. It seems like a game that they should you know, probably win if they're going to win any games this year. Mm-hmm. But I guess based on the fact that Whitehurst is probably starting and I don't think that – Anybody else on that team is really any good. I'm going to have to go Cleveland. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, gosh, I wonder, Kansas City hasn't played yet when we recorded this, but um, I, I guess I, I still, that's a weird result. It feels like they're better than that, but maybe they'll, I don't know. They, now I feel like they could win tonight, uh, Kansas City, but whatever. We did that last week. Okay, Bears at Panthers in a really good matchup. Um I guess it's your turn to go first. Yeah, I mean, both teams really disappointed this weekend. The Carolina game was kind of shocking. Jeez, um, this is a tough one. I think that Chicago's offense is light years ahead of where Carolina is, but I think that Carolina defense is just too much. I guess I'll pick the Panthers in a close, like, 16-13 type game. I'm actually going to pick Chicago. I think that Carolina's defense is in complete disarray, and if they can't stop the Ravens, and they can't stop Pittsburgh, I feel like a motivated Chicago Bears team could feast on them. And yeah. I don't think – I'm not all that impressed with with Carolina's secondary. Their front seven is great, but their secondary – is there any notable guys even in there? So I feel like they could uh, be in for some trouble against those big Bears receivers. Yep, yep, that's a good pick. The Battle of Texas. The Texans at Cowboys. I'll pick this one. I feel like Dallas will probably – not play as well as you expect them to after such a huge win yesterday. They do feel like they've taken our advice and finally decided that DeMarco Murray is awesome and we should start feeding him the ball more. He torched the Saints yesterday. I feel like Dallas probably isn't going to blow out Houston like people expect. It'll be sort of close, but I still expect them to win. Yeah, I think it'll be a close game. And I think, you know, if Jadavion Clowney were playing and I think you know, maybe they had a little bit more pass rush coming at Tony Romo. That that Houston defense has been kind of disappointing lately, too. So I, I guess I'll pick Dallas. I think they've been rolling a little bit, so I think that Romo's got some confidence. I'll pick Dallas. Sure. Steelers at Jags. Another game that would have been awesome in 1997. Uh, not so good right now. No. And I, uh, I just, I can't pick Jacksonville. They've just gotten so beat down so far this year. I, I guess I have to pick Pittsburgh. I don't I don't like them much either, but I, I guess uh, Steelers. Did you get a uh, chance to see Bortles at all yesterday? I didn't get to see a whole lot of uh, the Jacksonville game, no. I, I think I saw like a garbage touchdown he had, but that was pretty much it. I'm going to make a really stupid decision, and I'm going to pick Jacksonville in this game. I think Pittsburgh, their defense just doesn't seem to be very good, and they rose up against Carolina, but I think Bortles played well enough where he's feeling confident about himself. His teammates are. It'll be his first home start. I have a feeling that they might be able to upset Pittsburgh, so I'm going to take Jacksonville. Yeah, and I wouldn't be too surprised by that. It it crossed my mind, too. I just don't have the guts to do it. Well, I have picked against my gut this whole time, and I have a horrible record. Yep, (laughs) that's true. We'll try. Tampa at the Saints. Any chance for an upset here? No, I think the the game from Tampa last week was a fluke. They're obviously going to get better than they've been, 
But I think New Orleans is just super desperate at this point, and I think they're a whole lot better team. I, I have to pick New Orleans. Yeah, I got to pick New Orleans as well, and they are even more so than Seattle, a different team on their home turf. So the Superdome is a different place to play, and yeah, the Saints what 0 and 3 on the road this year. So uh, I would assume having to play three games away from home early in the season, they're going to have a bunch of home games in a row. So they probably have a good chance to get back in it real quick. And that division stinks. What everybody else is two and two, right? Yep. All right. Speaking of those two and two NFC South mediocre teams, the Atlanta Falcons go to the New York Giants, and this game will forever make me think of that one time when the Falcons scored two points in a playoff game. How embarrassing <laughs> it must be for them. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta's the better team, but it's in New York, and the Giants are just killing people now after looking like the worst team in the NFL through two weeks. This is super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that Atlanta defense is just so bad. And I feel like as good as that offense can be at times, it just can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Atlanta. I just think they're better. <laughs> I have no okay. reasoning for that, but I'll pick the Falcons. I'm going to go with the Giants. Like They're such a streaky team, uh, always have been. I mean, they've streaked their way to two Super Bowls that they probably don't deserve, and right now they're hot, and when they're hot, they're good. They've always been that way, so I'm going to uh, take the hot hand and go with the Giants. Side question here, real quick. Which is a more embarrassing number of points to end a game with, two or eight? It's got to be two. I mean, at least your defense showed up and got a safety if you've got two. But uh, with the eight, you got a touchdown. I mean, it, it sucks yeah. not to get a touchdown. And you converted on the two-point conversion, which is pretty equally impressive. <laughs> so i got to go eight is much better than two. Yeah, I think eight always looks desperate. Uh, it does, yeah. But two, you can also have the thing where you score two on, like, a bad punt snap or something. So you don't even earn those two. They're like a pity two. Yep. Like, here you go, crappy Falcons. Take two <laughs> points just so you don't get shut out. All right, two wins on that. I pick two as well. All right, the Rams at the Eagles. This seems like it should be no contest. I'll pick first this time. Philadelphia still looks like they might be one of the better teams in the NFC, but for some reason I don't feel like they're going to sustain it. But they will at least beat the Rams, who seem completely hapless on all fronts. Yeah, the Rams stink, and uh, I'm, I'm totally on board with my Eagles going 12-4 and four pick this year and, and maybe getting a bye in the first round, but then probably losing right away. So I, uh, I think Philly is... Uh, going to probably win by about 25 in this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Cardinals at Broncos. Uh, wow, that's a tough game for Arizona if they want to stay undefeated. Yeah, it's at Denver. I want to pick Arizona so bad. They're pretty awesome to watch this year, but I just I can't do it in this one. Mm-hmm. I think their defense is pretty good, but not good enough to stop Peyton. Yeah, I agree. And Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets out of hand. Uh, still, with Carson Palmer's injury, it's kind of like a week-to-week thing where they really don't know until the last minute whether or not it's going to be good. To me, from the descriptions I've got from, like I've got, like they're personally sending them to me, the way I described that, <laughs> uh, from what I've seen on the TV reports, is that it sounds like the kind of injury that could potentially end his career. It's wow. like a week-to-week weakness kind of thing. Like, you remember when Favre had that ulnar nerve injury where he would lose, like, feeling in his hand? Yeah, It seems like Carson Palmer has a similar type of symptom that ebbs and flows week to week. And so um, hopefully uh, it gets better because, it, you know, being, what, 35 years old or whatever, that could be a, a death nail for a career. So hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen. But in the very least, Palmer or no Palmer, I think Denver, uh, they tend to early in the season tear apart these kind of teams. Good defense yes, or sure. not at home. So I think Denver. Chiefs at 49ers. Uh Wow, these are two teams that are incredibly hard to read. Um, I might turn to pick first. Oof. You know what? I'm gonna no. I'm gonna stay with San Francisco. I think that Kansas City. Some weird things are gonna happen in this game, but I just don't feel like San Francisco can capitalize on these. And is this the first time that Alex Smith has played the Niners? It's got to be, right? That I can think of. Yeah, I guess I. Unless he did. No, he went to last year, obviously. So, yeah, obviously, it's his first time playing them. Yeah. They only play once every four years. So Yeah, not maybe I, uh, a preseason game or something, I guess I was thinking. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to pick San Francisco as well here, I think. I, I might have, may have a changed tune after watching tonight's game, mm-hmm. but I, I think San Francisco, just as we mentioned before, it, it, with New Orleans, is going to be extremely desperate. And I don't think Kansas City's offense has enough firepower to score on that defense, so I, I guess I have to go 49ers at home. 
Yeah, uh, the Jets at the Chargers. Geno Smith feeling the heat. Uh, people wanting Michael Vick to come in the games. And uh, they're going to play at San Diego with uh, Phillip Rivers, who looks every bit like a top-five quarterback. Certainly number nine, better than RG3. <laughs> hey, Phillip Rivers had played really bad before that. <laughs> yes, that's true. But uh, I'll, I'll take San Diego at home. I mean, this could be a classic upside game. I don't think the Jets are as bad as their record, and I don't think it's time to replace Geno Smith. So maybe this is the game where he kind of changes some people's minds. But San Diego's been so good lately, I just can't pick him against him at home. Yeah, and what has Michael Vick done the last 10 years? Yeah, exactly. I mean, outside of, what, the second half of 2010, the guy has just been an average guy. I mean, Geno's going to give you what Michael Vick gives you, probably. So give your young quarterback a chance and don't destroy his confidence in his, what, how many starts has he had, like 19, 20 in his whole career? Yeah, and they put Vick in for these spot plays every now and then, and he gets a chance to throw it. Every time I see it, I swear he misses a wide-open guy, (laughs) or it's a designed run and he loses a yard. He's just looked... I mean, he like you said, he hasn't been good for five years, mm-hmm. and he is even worse now. I don't know what you expect out of him. At least let a young guy play. You're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. What's the point of playing Michael Vick, you know, as opposed to potentially missing out on a guy that could be your franchise guy if he maybe just gets a few more starts under his belt? And he's on a bad team. I feel pretty bad for him. Yeah, I do too. I, I hope they stick with him. I, well, what do I care? Don't stick with him. I don't care. You're the Jets. But Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but for his sake, it, I think he deserves a fair chance. But San Diego's going to win this game. Bengals at Patriots in a very interesting game. Only two unbeatens left, and they both get very, very tough tests. So who do you got in Foxborough, Bengals at Patriots? Yeah, playoff atmosphere in this one. I'm going New England then because of that. New England never loses in these big games, and it's at home, and Cincinnati can't win these games. So I think New England's <laughs> going to win this one handily. Yeah, and I agree with everything you said. Um, now, having said that, I'm sure the Bengals will come back and shock us. But the Patriots always raise their game to these good teams in the regular season. And has Andy Dalton ever won a big game that matters against a team that wasn't no. Baltimore or Pittsburgh? And so I think, yeah, pretty confident in the Patriots. Belichick's probably been planning for this game all season long so far. That's probably why they've been so (laughs) mediocre. He was just looking forward to this game on the schedule. Well, when you're playing the Raiders and the Vikings and all these scum teams, I picked the Raiders three times so far this year. I looked through (laughs) the thing. I can't believe I'm so glad they're off this week so I don't have to embarrass myself. I picked them. I'm so good at picks that last week I picked them to beat the Dolphins because of the home game for the Raiders, ignoring the fact that they had to travel like 5,000 miles to have their home game. So I pay very close attention to these picks as I give them. Seahawks at Redskins on Monday Night Football. What are you doing to me, ESPN? Yeah, I, this is a game I'm not going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just keep the keep the score up every now and then on the phone, just to see if it's close. But I'm taking Seattle on the road. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I think Washington's better than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousin or RG3, I guess either one. Their defense has been better than I thought, but I don't think they beat Seattle. Yeah, I'm taking Seattle again, and a lot of people were excited about Kirk Cousins coming in, myself included, and you were the one who said, nah, he sucked last year, why shouldn't he suck now? And then you appear to be right so far. He was awful against the Giants. He had like a QBR, I'm not sure how QBR works. Aaron Rodgers had a 99.0 QBR, that ESPN quarterback rating thing, and Kirk Cousins had the worst of any quarterback in the NFL on uh, this past week four, so... All right, so we'll see if we can embarrass ourselves a little less this week with our picks. And, um, gosh, I hate these bye weeks. I know they have to have them and they're good, but uh, I hate when you just lose a whole bunch of teams every week. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what are we going to do when we can't see Miami or Oakland this week? (laughs) Just ruins the whole watching experience. It really does. Did you hear Ditka uh, on the Sunday countdown yesterday where he was talking about that? where they were breaking down the Dolphins and Raiders, and he's like, oh, man, we just love the English people exporting these two teams. I mean, th- if this doesn't get them excited about the NFL, there's something wrong with these folks. Why is Ditka orange, by the way? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. I wonder that about half the people on TV. Yeah, I suppose. I always just think there's something he's wrong just, with He's it. not, like, like, fake tan orange. Like, he's actually orange. It's not like a tan orange. It's just like actual, like if you look at an orange, that's what he looks like. I, <laughs> I saw him on TV, I think it was last Monday. I don't usually watch the ESPN countdown. And yeah. I, like my jaw dropped at how orange the guy was. Well, maybe I'll have to pay attention. Hopefully he's on at halftime or postgame or something in tonight's game. He, he isn't like the Hulk Hogan hot no, dog color. not hot dog orange. He's just literally <laughs> orange. 
I really want to see this now. I'll have to seek that out. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's really no segue out of the Mike Ditka is orange discussion. So <laughs> I'll just move on. Uh, if you want to contact us, like uh, we're going to do the what if. Gosh, I can't even do a good sell anymore. But if you want to get in contact with the show, you can go on Facebook and uh, write a comment under here. Otherwise, uh, you can send us an email, especially if you have those what if topics, at uh, green and gold. Podcast. I think it's Green and Gold Podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, uh, if you want to listen to our preview or my preview of the game each week, you can listen to KZ Radio, which is 92.9 in the Fox Cities in Appleton or 104.3 in Green Bay. Also, mykzradio.com online. And I will be on Thursday this week because the Packers play on Thursday. And uh, much like I have the last two weeks, I'm sure I will pick whoever loses this game to be successful, since I uh, really don't know what I'm talking about if these pick segments have proven anything. But you should probably listen to me anyways, because they got some great 80s and 90s tunes that you probably haven't heard in years and are pretty awesome. So check us out there. Uh, Matt, we haven't picked the last game, which is the Vikings at the Packers. I've heard some people are somewhat worried about this one. Are you? I'm not. Um, unless AP miraculously comes um, off his suspension or indefinitely, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm not too scared of this team. I will give them some kudos for being 2-2 two and two at this point, especially going through what they've gone through. I didn't think they had it in them this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think this team is very good at all. Some of the receivers have really stepped up. They played well yesterday, which concerns me a little bit. Um, but that being your strength, I guess, I, I take that over a good run game against this team right now. So um, especially with either Bridgewater or or um, um, I can't even think of the guy's name anymore. <laughs> oh, no, I don't even. <laughs> number seven. Yeah, what the? Oh, Sorry. Matt Castle. Or no, not Castle. Oh, Ponder. Oh, Ponder. Yeah, so he's if, great. It's, one of those two is going to be playing exactly. So we can't even think of his name anymore. Um, one of those two guys throwing the ball. I feel pretty confident. I think this could be a game that maybe is a little bit even more lopsided than the Bears game was. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the Vikings are very memorable. That's why we can't remember the names of any of their players. That's how worried we are about this game. We, I'm like, gosh, they got to find a way to slow down Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper. That's kind of what's still in my head. But, yeah, I, I think uh, they'll get their yards in. They'll probably score some points. This feels like a 42-21 to kind of game where I don't think Minnesota's defense is very good. I think their offense will move the ball, but there's not much to be worried about. What I am slightly worried about is – we got Mike Zimmer, we have um, Jim Caldwell, we also have um, Mark Tressman in the division now, and all of these guys seem to be level-headed, really smart guys, and it's kind of scary because we've said for years that these other teams have a lot of talent, and it's kind of scary that they seem to have level-headed, competent people running the shows in these places when you've had years of Brad Childress and Jim Schwartz and Mike Tice and these crazy maniacs running these teams it's we've said for years what would happen if the Lions or Vikings had a stable situation and we're finding out that they might have some really good talent and might be able to uh, put a little pressure on the Packers so I don't think that'll matter on Thursday but it might matter uh, as we go forward in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, you can't even make fun of these guys anymore. It was so much fun <laughs> making fun of all these awful coaches and just, like, the weird mannerisms they had on the sidelines, like Lovey Smith, and now he has blessed Tampa with his presence. But, <laughs> and, I mean, just looking at Brad Childress, you can't help but laugh. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, the current guys all, all even killed him. I've been a big Mike Zimmer fan forever. I, mm-hmm. He was he was pretty awesome in Cincinnati, so it's nice to see him get a shot. And I, as weird as it is, and although they've been my least favorite team for forever, I'm kind of rooting for the Vikings a little bit right now, except for, of course, this Sunday when they get stomped. Yeah. And or Thursday. That was such a good ending, so I'm going to ruin it by continuing that discussion. We should have just ended it right there, but whatever. Um, I really like Mark Trestman. I think that he's he makes the Bears, not that Lovey was a hateable guy, but if they somehow, I hate to say this, it sounds like blasphemy, but... If somehow they had somebody other than Jay Cutler and they were able to win a Super Bowl with some of those guys, I, it wouldn't be the worst. It certainly would be better than if they had won it with uh, Rex Grossman or, or any yeah. of that stuff. I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, Tressman seems like a, he's the one who scares me the most. I feel like he's going to get that team turned around. Yeah, I think there's something to be said with that, though, with you know your division rivals. When they're down, 
you're so used to them, like the Vikings right now, you're so used to them being good and competitive that when they're down like this, there's something weird about you that just kind of wants them to maybe be back there. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been this way with the Lions before, you know, when they had Mike McMahon starting at quarterback. They were so yeah. much fun to cheer for. And, you know, the Bears have been pretty consistently good for a while. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sometimes you just kind of find yourself rooting for them to get back where they were. I don't know what that is inside of us, but I, I'm on board with you there. I think it's a bit of regionalism. It's the way you can hate Ohio State, yeah. and then ESPN says, oh, Ohio State and Michigan State and suck. You're and you're like, hey, wait a minute. No, they're not. Well, bring somebody to wherever. Bring who? Well, don't bring anybody to Columbus like Virginia Tech. They'll kill them. But <laughs> Michigan State, so bring bring Oregon to Lansing and see what happens next yeah. year. You know, so I don't know. But anyways, um, let's wrap this thing up. The Packers are going to beat the Vikings in a couple days, I'm sure of it. And uh, hopefully we can talk about that next Monday. So until then, for Matt and Altoona, I am Eric in Oshkosh, and uh, enjoy the game. Take care, everyone.